0: Hello, I'm Sherry House, a missionary living in Thailand who loves to study the lives of great women of whom it can be said, she hath done what she could. Welcome to Silhouettes, my weekly story about a lady whose life challenges, encourages and teaches me. I hope as you listen today, your heart will be encouraged and challenged too, to do what you can for the Lord. So grab a cup of tea, sit back and enjoy. Let me tell you her story. Letty Byrd was born on March 3, 1870 in Afton, Iowa. She was the youngest child born to a wealthy banker and his wife in their later years. At the age of 13, Letty was introduced to a young telegrapher named Charles Cowman. He was 15 at the time and their friendship grew over the next couple years. When Charles got a promotion in another town, he, a lowly trained dispatcher, dared to ask the banker's daughter if she would wait for him. She said she would. Although her parents liked Charles, they thought the union was preposterous and spent the next four years introducing her to society and connecting her with eligible young men. Letty stayed true to her promise, and when Charles returned, her parents gave their blessing. Charles was a hard worker, and with Letty's love and support, he soon received several promotions. They moved to Chicago, and once again, she was thrown into the social life. She had a beautiful home and many friends. Letty loved the life they were creating together. One day, she received a flyer advertising a concert by an opera singer who had become a Christian. Letty was so excited to attend this event, by the end of the night, Letty found herself with tears running down her face in realization that she was the lost sheep the singer was singing about. For the first time, she realized the uselessness of the life she was living. She vowed not to go back to that place, but the next night she ended up there listening to the preaching and the singer again. After attending the event for several nights, Letty gave her life to the Lord, and she was forever changed. By the end of the month, Letty's testimony and God's conviction brought her husband to the point of salvation. From then on, their home became a center of Christian activity and inspiration. Both were faithful witnesses and saw many of their friends and others come to know Christ. Eight months later, they attended a missions convention held at Moody Church. They learned of a young couple giving their lives to go to Africa to preach the gospel, depending only on the giving of God's people. When the offering plate was passed, Letty's husband gave a large roll of bills he had in his pocket. When the second offering was taken, he put in his gold watch and Letty gave her diamond ring. When a call for volunteers to go to the mission field was given at the end of the service, Letty and her husband found themselves standing and promised to go if God called and opened a way. Letty and her husband began preparing for the ministry and started studying at the Moody Bible Institute. During the next six years, Letty surrendered all her worldly possessions one by one and gave herself wholly to studying the Bible, spending time in prayer, and growing her relationship with the Lord. She felt burdened to pray specifically that the Lord would provide much money for their mission's work. In her journal, she recorded the first donation they received. It was 25 cents. By the time they finished Bible college, God had called each of them individually to go to Japan for Him. Although most missionaries at that time were sent by mission boards who paid them a salary, Letty and her husband chose to trust the Lord and go out on their own without any promised financial support. Almost immediately upon their arrival in Japan, a building was secured for their housing and for Bible school classrooms. The Lord allowed them to see many souls saved right from the beginning. The Japanese, who were searching for the truth, were earnest in their desire to know God more and to tell others about their newfound faith. A second mission hall was opened in the heart of Tokyo, and every night for the next ten years, men and women surrendered to Christ. With a burden to reach all of Japan, not just the people in the large cities, Letty's husband called a meeting for the small group of missionaries they worked with. He presented a map of Japan and explained that given five years, 100 men, and $100,000, they could reach every home in Japan with the gospel. Thus began the Oriental Mission Society and the Every Home Crusade, with $37 in hand and hope in their hearts that God had clearly given them this vision and He would bless it. Soon thousands were numbered among the saved. More missionaries came, more Japanese took up the vision to reach their countrymen, and prayers were said on the hillsides of Japan everywhere that the Lord would provide the funds needed to print and distribute the gospel to all. It took 17 years, but the 10,300,000 homes in Japan were all given the gospel. Hundreds of churches were started, seminaries for national workers to be trained largely, international teachers were established, and a model that would change the face of missions for years to come had been proven successful. The victory was not without its cost, as Letty's husband had lived a lifetime in those short 17 years. His body was spent and broken and was no longer able to carry on. Letty and her husband returned to the States, and during the next six years, she not only cared for her husband, but answered the volumes of letters that came in. There were interviews and articles to write and people to entertain that came to discuss the widely successful crusade and what more could be done. She and her husband spent hours and hours in prayer, with maps of the world in front of them, praying for the cause of Christ not only in Japan, but for the world. During this time, Letty read volumes of books published by Christian authors in order to glean encouragement for herself and her husband. She decided to compile these along with her own thoughts in a devotional book she entitled Streams in the Desert. It was to be the first of many books she would write. After Letty's husband passed away in 1924, the Lord gave her clear direction that He wanted her to continue on in the work. She had many opportunities to speak and tell the story of how the Lord used the crusade to reach millions in Japan. A few years later, at the age of 58, Letty agreed to become the president of the Oriental Missionary Society, and soon many caught her vision of reaching not only Japan, but other countries as well. It is said of Letty that her prayers were as big as the needs of the world, and soon many were committing funds and committing their lives to go. While visiting Wales one time for a conference, Letty was telling the story of how the crusade unfolded in Japan. The Lord put a desire in the hearts of those attending that meeting that they needed to reach out to Finland and its two million people. Hearts were stirred, and crusaders enlisted. Plans were made, and Letty was asked to go with them. In her late sixties by now, she thrilled at the thought. The Crusaders used skis for transportation to take the printed Word of God to each home. She herself enjoyed the reindeer-drawn sleds as they crossed mile after mile on snow to reach the huts in the dense forests. Letty's faithfulness to the well-laid-out strategy God had given her husband for that first crusade in Japan saw the Crusades expand to include 28 other nations. Letty's powerful prayers for the Lord to give much towards missions saw the donations for gospel distribution go from that first donation of 25 cents to over $5 million being given. As Letty approached the age of 80, she stepped down from the position of president of the Oriental Missionary Society and became the overseer of Kalman Publications and World Gospel Crusades. To mark the occasion, she wrote a book entitled Life Begins at 80. Letty went on with the work until her eyesight started to wane and her health became frail. For the last three years of her life, she continued to pray for, correspond with, and encourage the younger generation to go on with the crusade work. On Easter Sunday, April 17, 1960, at the age of 90, Letty said her final goodbyes. She prayed her final prayer for world evangelism and closed her eyes to wake up in the arms of Jesus. Letty gave her all to the Lord, all her money, all her time. All her possessions, all her health, all her heart. Well, you can find out more about Letty Coleman on my website, SherryHouse.com. But let me tell you one more story from her life that resonated with one of my own. On September 25, 1924, at 12:30 a.m., Letty's world came to a halt. Her beloved husband, prayer warrior, vision sharer, and ministry partner, went to heaven. It didn't take her long to realize her entire life was wrapped up in his, and she was at a loss as how to move forward. She soon found her answer. While looking through her husband's Bible, she found a note that contained the last words he'd ever written. It said, go on with my unfinished task. And go on she did. Her motto was, what God helps you to see can be. What can be should be. Therefore, let it be. Over the years, there are certain statements or stories that you hear that just stick with you. One in particular for me was a story told by a preacher during a chapel service at Bible College. He spoke of a church where the pastor had the words from Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, cut out in wood letters and hung them on the front wall of the church auditorium. It became the church's mission to know and love the Lord and to be a light in their community and beyond. God did many great things in and through them for many years. Eventually, their zeal began to wane as one by one the families of the church turned their hearts to new and more exciting things. Some moved away, some passed away, and others failed to pass on their vision to the younger generation. Eventually, the church was closed down for lack of interest and the building itself became quite dilapidated. A man from out of town familiar with the zealousness of the church was disappointed to learn of this news when he was visiting one day. He decided to stop by the old church for one last time on his way out of town. He got out of his car and walked around the property reminiscing. As he was contemplating what could possibly be the reason a church that was so on fire for the Lord could come to this state, he walked into the auditorium of the church and he noticed that the W had fallen down from the wall and he read the words, here there is no vision, the people perish. Whether that story is true or anecdotal, I don't know, but I have never forgotten it. When I feel my passion for all things spiritual begin to wane, I often think of this story and that W lying on the floor, and I mentally pick it up and nail it back in place and ask the Lord to renew my vision and passion again for Him, for His Word, and for His work. Today I'd like to do a Bible study with you I've entitled How's Your Vision? I'm going to take that text verse from Proverbs 29:18. It says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now, for those of you who haven't studied this verse out yet, you might be surprised to know that this verse actually isn't an encouragement for you to find within yourself a vision for which you can set short or long-term goals in the hope of accomplishing something now or in the future. Let me say this, though. There's nothing wrong with having a vision for yourself, your family, your business, or your church. In fact, I think getting a God-centered vision for something is what comes naturally after you understand what this verse actually means. The word vision here in this verse is translated from the Hebrew word hazon, which means revelation, and it refers to the word of God or the things that he has revealed to his people, not some future thing that I would like to accomplish. The word perish is translated from the Hebrew word "yipara," which means casts off restraint or to loosen or to expose or uncover. So not necessarily to die as we sometimes understand the word perish to mean. So without God's word and knowing what he reveals about himself and his will for man, people cast off restraint or do what they please or do what they feel is best. There are many examples of this in the Bible, like when the Israelites cast off God's command and all moral restraint and built the golden calf and danced around it naked, or when Paul, when he went about killing Christians because he felt it was the morally correct thing to do. Not having a knowledge of God and His Word ultimately, though, does lead to one's death, not only in the aspect of a life wasted here on earth, void of fulfilling God's purpose for them, but also a spiritual death for all of eternity. And then in true Proverbs fashion, the second part of this verse gives us a correlating thought. It says, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So he that keepeth, listen to, believes in, lives by God's word and his directives and his revealed will, will be happy. As I said, there's nothing wrong with having a vision for your future and what God can do through you, but ultimately, anything we are going to do for the Lord, or the Lord is going to do through us, must start with a clear understanding of God and His revealed word. Letty believed, if we want to know God, we must give ourselves entirely up to the study of God's word. She also said, man was made to know and love God. I believe the secret to Letty's far-reaching success with her books she wrote and the crusades that were carried out under her watch didn't come from her vision that she knew the Lord had given her as much as it came from her humble spirit to know and love the Lord and His Word. In the truest sense of this verse, how's your vision of God's vision? How is your understanding of God and His revealed Word to us as Christians? Have you accepted it? Have you tried to keep it? Are you passionate about trying to live by it? My challenge today for me and for you is to focus on God and knowing Him and His heart. A challenge to get a vision for your spirituality, let's say. After that, I challenge you to get a vision, like Letty did, for what God could do through your soul winning, your service, and your sacrifice. Well, I hope you've enjoyed today's silhouette learning a little bit more about Letty Calman and this matter of how's your vision. She truly was a woman of whom it could be said she hath done what she could. Let's you and I go do what we can do. Silhouettes with Sherry is written and told by missionary Sherry House. To learn more about Sherry, this story, or other stories about women who were used of God, read Sherry's blog at SherryHouse.com, that's S-H-A-R-I-House.com. Silhouettes can be heard at this time every week on this station. Silhouettes is a Causeway Media and Faith Music Radio production.